The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory. It's a playoff edition of the AP Laboratory. We'll bring Matt and Craig on here in a minute. We have a lot to cover. Uh, We're going to break down both sides of the ball. We're probably going to go a little bit more in depth this week uh, than we typically do. We're going to answer some questions at the end of the show, as always. Uh, Probably not as many as we normally do. Uh, but I, I'm particularly excited for this game. I Obviously, I think everybody is at this point kind of chomping at the bit to get the opportunity uh, to play in the playoffs, play at home. The AFC runs through Arrowhead, and I think we need to start acting like it. I know what has happened in the past with this team, specifically against the Colts. I know the history. I was there for the 38-10 game. I went to Indianapolis Drove all the way there, got caught in a snowstorm on the way home. It was miserable. And I I was distraught. I was celebrating because I thought this was the first time that the Chiefs were going to win a playoff game in, uh, in a long time since I can barely remember. And obviously it didn't happen. The Chiefs continued their cycle of, of just depressing performances in January. And I was there for the uh, the uh, Titans game uh, last year in January. I was there for that game as well. Maybe I'm the problem. And I I felt the tension and and the fear and the anxiety that happened when Marcus Mariota caught his own touchdown, when Harrison Butker clunked a field goal. I felt it, and I know it's very easy to lean on all of the failure that we have experienced as Chiefs fans our entire life. And to just say, oh, here we go again. We're, you know, this is the same old, same old. Everything is the same. Uh, We're going to expect failure here. Everything is different now. The Chiefs' fortunes don't need to change. They already have. Patrick Mahomes changes everything. Absolutely everything. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the one that breaks this cycle of poor performances that the Chiefs have had in the playoffs. We're going to start winning. We're going to start winning a lot. Guess what? Patrick Mahomes is going to win a Super Bowl in Kansas City. There, I said it. So let's start acting like it. Let's start expecting for good things to happen to this team. Yes, even 
in January, especially in January. So if you're going to Arrowhead on Saturday, don't hang your head if anything goes wrong. At the first sign of, you know, at the first mistake, the first time the Chiefs have to punt, if the Chiefs get down, don't. Don't lean on all the, all the mistakes and all the history. Don't let Lynn Elliott continue to beat you. Don't let the no-punt game be part of your, your, your memory. That was all before Patrick Mahomes. It's a different era. It already started. You have the league's most valuable player. Start acting like it. Start expecting good things to happen. Because it's going to be much more sweeter if you start leaning on on the abilities of Patrick Mahomes now and start expecting good things to happen than if you had to be proven wrong. That's no fun. Be first. Be early. Start Saturday. It's not a guarantee that the Chiefs are going to win on Saturday. But you're going to expect Patrick Mahomes and this team to win on Saturday from Jump Street until the final whistle. Start expecting it. Start believing it. Break the cycle of fear and anxiety before the reward happens. Because guess what? The reward, I believe, is happening on Saturday. We'll bring Matt on, then we'll talk to Craig, and we will do a mailbag as well. And we've got Maddie Lane here, ready to talk about the Colts' defense. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I got the playoff matchup I wanted, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, you were you were riding the let's play the Colts train too. Actually, I got asked that last week, and I chose the Colts too because I'm ready to exercise some demons here. Let's let's start the new era of Patrick Mahomes football with, you know, just knocking a big one out of the park. Um, okay, so the Colts, they play a lot of cover two, correct, Maddie? Yeah, they do. They're one of the very few teams in the NFL that still kind of play the majority of their defense with two split safeties. Okay, so what I wanted to do real quick is just kind of explain, just give me an explanation real quick of cover two, if I mean, just in case Dylan knows what that is. So like the basic cover two model, like the Madden picture that you see, which has two deep safeties that are playing about even in the back end of the field. They're playing two halves field deep. And then you're going to have five guys underneath in coverage, just in little hook zones spread from the flat on one side of the field to the other. That's almost exactly what the Colts run more often than the other team. I mean, it's still only about a third of their snaps or maybe even a little bit less, but just to have that static cover two, just like picture perfect cover two thing that's what they run more than any other team in the league right now. And then, uh, just in case anybody knows, there's a there's a pretty common variation that kind of became popular in the it was the early 2000s. Is that right? Uh, the Tampa the Tampa two coverage. You want to just kind of explain yeah. the tweak there? Yeah, so that was a Tony Dungy special working in Tampa with the Buccaneers, and essentially. Huh. 
all they're doing there is they're dropping a linebacker, usually to the passing strength if it's an overloaded like passing set. They're just going to be dropping into the deep hole, or they're going to be playing essentially back in between the two safeties as long as any offensive receiver is going vertical at all. So they're just removing one of those underneath coverage guys and dropping them in between the safeties, which allows your safeties to play a little bit wider and take away kind of some of the holes in cover two behind the flat corner and the safety before he can get over to the sideline. It just lets them play wider because there's now a person playing in the middle of the field, which is the other biggest gap against cover two. Right. And, uh, you know, so the Chiefs have seen both of these coverages. I think the the Steelers played a decent amount of cover, too, if I remember correctly, both regular Tampa or regular two and Tampa. Um, where are like where can where can the cover two defense be exploited? So it depends on which variation you're getting. But essentially, yeah. no matter what, you're looking to attack the middle of the field between the safeties. Even if there's a linebacker dropping back there, we've seen Mahomes has the arm talent to put the ball over that linebacker that's trying to kind of trail the tight end or receiver down the middle of the field in between the two safeties. You can also send two players through the middle of the field. One of them is going to occupy that Tampa 2 linebacker, the guy dropping to the deep hole. Another one's coming in behind it. So you're looking at the middle of the field. And then next, if you're getting this pure cover two look with the static zones, which means a corner is going to be playing down in the flat, you still got the corner routes. You just got to drive the ball underneath the safety before they can come over and help. So you're looking for these seven routes, corner routes, deep out routes, stuff like that. Those are kind of your mainstay holes against cover two. Yeah, so you can you can high low that that Tampa backer. You can throw over the Tampa backer. Uh, the Chiefs have actually had some success even against Tampa two. You know, with Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field, haven't they? Oh, absolutely. And funny we mentioned Travis Kelsey. The Colts are one of the worst teams in the NFL at defending the tight end, which is kind of funny and in a. I don't know, ha-ha kind of way that you're going to run Tampa 2, which is taking away the middle of the field is kind of the main goal there. And that's where tight ends do the most of their work. And they've just been terrible at defending tight ends this year. But it's essentially for the same reason. They don't run Tampa 2 every single time they run cover 2. So you get these tight ends down the seam or just on these kind of possession routes over the middle of the field. We've seen Travis Kelsey eat teams up, like especially going back to that Steelers game right down the seams. So you would expect to see a lot of that. And then once the Colts kind of sell out to stop that, like similar to the way the Seahawks did, you can put in a backside receiver or another receiver somewhere else running across the middle after Kelsey. Once that Tampa two backers out of the way or whoever, whatever linebacker wants to drop deep, you got another guy wide open just because the amount of attention that Kelsey's going to get. So, uh, wanted to ask you just kind of about Sammy Watkins. It sounds like he might play. Um, what, is his value this week against the Colts if he does wind up playing? Let's say that Sammy comes back at almost 100% healthy is what he was earlier this year. I mean, we're going to assume that there's probably a little bit of rust to shake off, so it's not going to be 100%, but he still knows the offense and is in rhythm with Pat. It just gives you another big-bodied receiver that has dynamic ability to go over the middle of the field. Right now, you're working with, you've been working with Travis Kelsey, Demetrius Harris, and kind of Chris Conley as the guys going over the middle of the field. And there's just a lack of explosive playmaking from two of those three players. So getting Sammy Watkins back in to run some slants, some of these deep dig routes across the middle of the field, just gives you another big body that can be physical across the middle, but also has the speed to take plays downfield that direction, whereas guys like Conley may not be able to. So that's going to be huge. And as well, it's going to bring a little bit more attention away from everything else. 
We're going to talk about it later on, I'm sure, but just overloading one side of the formation with receivers is kind of effective against this cover too. So having the ability to put Kelsey or Hill or Watkins all on the backside and get that one-on-one -on -one coverage, that's not going to allow the Colts to just leave single one-on-one -on -one coverage over there. They're going to have to have some kind of help for any one of those three players, which may not be true for Harris or Conley or Demarcus Robinson if they're that isolated player on the backside. So our guy Country Boy five six seven asks. I just want to get this mailbag question out now. How bad is Patrick going to shred the cover too? And uh, is anyone going to be able to contain Travis Kelsey? No one's going to be able to contain Travis Kelsey. Darius Leonard has been phenomenal this year, but again, they still struggle mightily against tight ends, and that continued last week against Houston. And when, I'm going to put it this way: if the Colts come out and play the same level of defense they did against the Texans against the Chiefs in terms of their coverage, the Chiefs are putting up over 35 points relatively easily Deshaun Watson missed throws left and right missed open players left and right and had no idea when blitzes or pressure was coming and just took hits on the chin when guys were open he did not have a good game I mean I don't expect Pat to collapse at that level and if we get this same level of defense there's absolutely nothing the Colts are going to be able to do to stop them they're going to have to do something different than what they showed against the Texans or they're going to have to just outscore the Chiefs do you okay? So, do you think that the Colts are disguising stuff well right now? Like watching what what uh, what Deshaun did was was he was he just getting confused? Were they disguising well? Were they confusing him pre snap or like what's what's the deal there? So this was the third time they played the Texans, and I think they had a pretty good idea of what Deshaun Watson and the Texans wanted to do offensively. So they threw in some wrinkles, some stuff that they didn't show the Texans as much before. But as far as like pure disguising, not particularly. They played a little bit more man than they usually did, but those weren't really the snaps that were getting Deshaun Watson. He was just getting fooled by simply guys dropping into zone when Watson was expecting man coverage. The Colts would travel with the guy in motion or switch some corners around when a player went on motion, and I think it was keying Deshaun Watson to go that he was playing against man coverage when it was still just the same basic cover two zone. That led to one interception. He had a lot of errant throws where he was just stopped staring at Nuke Hopkins, who had a guy all over him, and somebody else was open on the backside that he just never even got around to looking at. So I think the Colts just did a good job blitzing Watson at the right times. How many corner blitzes did they send? They think they only sent like four or five, but I feel like they all resulted in pressure because Watson wasn't ready for them. Just little stuff like that that got specifically to Watson. I don't know if I'm going to say it was super well disguised. It was just something they hadn't shown him specifically before that was really beating him up all game long. So you're feeling pretty good. I feel pretty good about the Chiefs' offense versus the Colts' defense. All right, man. Fair enough. Uh, we'll do a, we'll do a mailbag here in a minute. We're going to talk to Craig, and we'll get you right back. And it's time to bring Craig Stout on Twitter. Find him at Barley Hop. Um, Craig, I did have one question because you know Lynn, Lynn Elliott and and all that history has been coming up. Um, with Lynn Elliott, he pretty much ruined your fiftieth birthday back in the nineties with that game. So, uh, what were your thoughts on that? Such a big milestone for you. You know, I he really did ruin. I had all my friends and family there. We were all sitting around. All of my grandchildren and great grandchildren were all. <laughs> there and no it's i i really do appreciate that the kansas city's bringing lynn back into the fold a little bit here i i do think that he is deserving of plenty of ridicule for missing all of those kicks but 
you know, still cling to that after all these years. It's not just Lynn that we're clinging to, and yet he's the name that nobody wants to say because of the start of it, basically. It's been history since then. There's plenty of other scapegoats. We don't need to hold on to just Lynn in this one. We're done, Craig. I'm done with it. We're done. Let's go. We're, done. we're not holding on to it. We're moving all. on. It is, it is we- time. Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. Start acting like it. That's what I got to yeah. say. Yeah, Mitchell Schwartz this week had my favorite tweet ever, I think, in the history of anything. Somebody (laughs) was in his mentions, and they were giving him crap about how the players want to know the past, and they want to know the odds. And Mitchell Schwartz just laid it on Front Street and said, you know what? A game that Patrick Mahomes was in high school when it took place, has zero bearing on what this team will do. No game from the past should have any bearing on what happens in that stadium on Saturday. If you feel it coming, if you feel maybe the Colts clawing back a little bit and you feel your natural urge to kind of pull back a little bit, fight that urge. Fight that urge urge get out there yell scream this is a young colts offensive line you will draw them off sides they do get drawn off sides you affect this week be loud be super loud and do not let that doubt creep into your mind just get loud stay loud for some penalties the uh the nervous energy is not helping anything Let's start expecting good things to happen because good things have already happened and that good thing specifically is throwing 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards this year. I digress. Okay, let's talk a little bit about this Colts offense. I know everybody's a little worried about the Colts offense. Uh, At Ron Cobb asks us, uh, how scary is the Colts offensive line? If we can't get pressure on luck, how are we even going to be able to get stops? The, the Colts offensive line is very, very good. I, I'd say they're probably number two behind the Rams in my book, and that's not a slight. The Rams offensive line is just ridiculously good as well. Andrew Luck makes these guys look really good because he gets the ball out so fast. He is top 10 in time to throw, but you know the Chiefs have seen lots of guys that year. this year. Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, all those guys are quick throwers. So is Andrew Luck, and they keep it thrown short. So they really help out the offensive line and pass protection, but they are bolstered by some studs. Quentin Nelson is a bona fide all-pro stud. He is ridiculous. He is great, as is center Ryan Kelly. Mark Golinski, no sh- no, he's, he's not a scrub there at right guard as well. So that interior is really tight, really strong. They're fantastic keeping Andrew Luck clean up the gut. But they are slightly susceptible on the outsides. Costanzo at left, at left tackle and Braden Smith at right tackle. They offer them a lot of help. They chip with running backs. They leave a lot of tight ends in to block. They also will bring in Joe Haig as a sixth offensive lineman to pass block so that they can throw down the field, not just for run blocking purposes. Those guys do get a lot of help on the edges. Fortunately, that's where the Chiefs succeed. So, the Chiefs will see one-on-one matchups on occasion against these guys. D Ford with his bendiness against Anthony Costanzo and his speed 
will be able to have some success, and the D Ford should be, or uh, Justin Houston should be able to shove around Braden Smith a little bit. They can find a little bit of success in the pass rush this week, but you know Andrew Luck again is going to get the ball out quick, so they got to get there quick. Uh, Darren D. Piggott asks what uh, what the weakness on the on the offensive line is. So, are you saying the the tackles? I, I think it is the tackles. Yeah, I, I, there are. Uh, Glowinski can be beat inside a little bit, especially if Kelly is uh, combo blocking Braden Smith inside. They do do you know they pull a lot when they when they run block, and so they leave behind some natural gaps, and sometimes those exchanges aren't handled as well as they could be. They're still, again, very good, but there is some susceptibility for some of the defensive linemen. We've seen that Derek Noddy, Xavier Williams, and Chris Jones can knife and live in the background when they see these opportunities and these spaces. There will be those spaces in their power run game. They should be able to find a little success in those little moments there where they can pursue. And then on top of that, they jump off sides a lot. Those These guys get drawn off quite a bit when they are away from home. Quentin Nelson especially. It's just surprising as much as I watched this week, even here late in the year, once or twice a game, you see him flinch. They didn't always get called, but Arrowhead will have an advantage. They will be able to back them up five yards at a time multiple times this week, I think. Uh, so you talked a little bit about the run game. Their, their power run game? Yeah, power run game is uh, something they do very, very, very well. They have very athletic fleet of foot linemen, uh, very strong linemen as well. They can really pull around the backside. Where they will find themselves in some trouble is against speed rushers from the edge. Jadavian Clowney blew up several plays just being able to beat a pulling lineman to the edge there. That's a D Ford situation right there. D has been great collapsing on interior runs. I think they can find some success there. But yeah, they they will power run. They keep Marlon Mack very, very clean. He's an excellent back. He's very shifty, very agile, able to squeeze through holes and set up tacklers when he's in open field and make guys miss. But he's not not necessarily going to run through a tackle. So if the Chiefs can kind of corral him in the backfield a little bit, they can keep him there and contain him. But the Colts offensive line does a really good job of blowing open giant holes in that game. So a uh, little bit about the passing game. What are you seeing from them? Like what's, what, what kind of stuff are they leaning on in the passing game? Uh, it's mostly short. Andrew Luck is in the bottom third of the league in depth of target for – four quarterbacks here in the NFL this year. He is squarely between Dak Prescott and Marcus Mariota, if that kind of puts a perspective for people oh. as to where where Andrew Luck's average depth of target is. And like I said, he gets the ball out quick. He gets the ball out short. It's a lot of, a lot of little five-yard outs and things like that to try and beat underneath and eat up chunks of yardage, sustain drives. That's part of the reason why when people were watching that Houston Texans game, last week that they felt like the offense was really scary because there was just so many sustained drives. They don't hit on big plays super often, and it allows them to kind of keep run and the pass and run the clock. It, it, it's an effective strategy there, but they will max protect, bring in that sixth offensive lineman, bring in uh, Allie Cox, who is a tight end for them, 
and he will stay inside alongside that sixth offensive lineman. They will block seven guys Woo. and run two and three man routes with the with the running backs that the running backs aren't chipping as well just to try and set up T.Y. Hilton deep against the zone because Andrew Luck will have time to hit him. They are very, very safe with the shots that they take. So most of the time it's going to be short, but if the Chiefs can see those big fronts, they can know maybe send an extra rusher or two, try and speed up that clock for Luck because he's not been as good when he's been blitzed this year. His timer gets a little bit rushed, and he's been a little more inaccurate. I like it. Uh, Mo Ali Cox, actually, he was a power forward for Virginia Commonwealth. Did you know that? I did not. Did know you that. know basketball Mo player? Did you know Mo Ali Cox player. played basketball? <laughs> no, he's he's a, actually a phenomenal blocker. They don't really run him that many routes, as they don't run Ryan Hewitt very many routes either. Hewitt's more of a H back role as a tight end for them. So. If the Chiefs aren't seeing Eric Ebron on the field, who is the primary red zone target for them, if they're not seeing him on the field and those two are, guess what, guys? It's going to be a run or a max protect throw. They really kind of tip their hands a little bit. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on that. And, uh, Craig, let's let's bring Maddie on to mailbag. We got the whole team back together. And uh, this is not going to be the last time we have a game to talk about, guys, this week. I'm predicting this is... Oh. No. We are playing in the AFC Championship game. I'm yeah, calling my yeah, shot Yeah, but we're right also going to talk about the Senior Bowl as well. Yeah, we are. And uh, actually, a little, little quick announcement here. Uh, we're going to do... I think we're going to try to do three shows from the Senior Bowl here in a couple weeks. So we're going to have three... Live instant reactions. Raw takes, no filter. Oh, no. Well, (laughs) we're going to have one episode that lasts three days (laughs) because you cannot shut Matt Lane off. I have tried, folks. He has. Physically, (laughs) Imagine once we get to actual draft content, how Matt is actually going to be. I mean... Oh, when I go he's on 6 ha- with Bink, he always talks about how we're going to talk about draft all the time, and he's going to want to call me at like 3 a.m. I'm like, you, you don't know what you're stepping into right now, JB. Like, you got to be careful here. <laughs> you give me your but actual Matt- number, we, you might get some phone calls when I wake up at 4 in the morning, and we'll see how you'll feel like the draft then. Yeah, he might actually do that. Like, it, like I mean, Matt could talk about – he probably has like a dissertation he could write on a undrafted running back – uh right now so it's absurd it's like it's just ridiculous um let's let's jump in at ap wolf 82 asks if spencer wears 100 percent, what level of reps does he receive i'm thinking damien williams has deserved the lion's share um i think i think if both are fully healthy i think you'll probably see i think damien actually might get a little bit more run than D- and Spencer at this point. If where's a hundred percent, I don't know if he will be, or I don't think he will be, but if he was, I'd still say Damien's looking for a, at a good 60, 65% of the carry or touches yeah. snaps. However you want to split it up. He's just been more dynamic. They trust him just as much in the passing and rushing game as they do where. So it seems, so I don't know why you would go back to where coming off of an injury versus the guy that kind of had the hot hand down the stretch. 
totally agree. And it'll be really interesting to see if Ware just kind of holds on to what Darrell Williams has done in the absence right now, or if Darrell Williams' ability to run between the tackles actually gives him a little bit more of a boost, and they still use him as a short yardage back, further limiting Spencer Ware's carries. We can only hope. <laughs> Free row. Uh, at Kenny with the Coke asks, if you could only have one guy this weekend, who would you rather have, Sammy Watkins or Eric Berry? This is a trick question because like, if I get a guy that has played at their best at the NFL, I want Eric Berry. But if I get a guy just healthy enough to play in this game, healthy enough to be effective, I think I want Sammy Watkins because I know what a healthy Sammy Watkins can do for this team. I've seen it with my own eyes. I know when he's out there that he is giving it his all. He's trying his hardest every single rep that you can for a wide receiver. And you've seen that output on the field. With Barry, we got a really good half from him. Then we got a very quiet four quarters from him the following game. Haven't seen him since. If he's healthy enough to go, I have no idea what he's going to be. Sammy Watkins, healthy enough to play. I know he's going to demand more than just single coverage against the number two corner. I know they have to pay attention to him, so I just think he affects the game a little bit more for a guaranteed perspective. I, and I'm going to look at it as not even going back to fully healthy, you know, best uh, that he's been. I'll go back a few weeks ago. If we get the Eric Berry that played in that Chargers game, while it wasn't perfect, that's all this defense needs to come up with a couple crucial stops against the run in the Colts game and then be able to organize everybody on the back end, make sure everybody can shut down Andrew Luck in the short passing game and you know kind of put a lid on top of the defense. So I'll go Barry. Yeah, uh, it's Sammy Watkins for me um, right now. If you're getting 100% healthy uh, Sammy Watkins, man, that would be fun. Uh, Long Eric live Barry, the Lizard I mean, King. 60, 67% of Eric Berry's snaps so far this season have been meh. And then the first half against the Chargers was phenomenal. If they get that Eric Berry, um, I'd probably take that Eric Berry. Why do you guys uh, hate the defense? <laughs> Craig, you know deep down that I love defense, and Chris Jones is my guy. But if this team's going to win, it's going to be on the offensive side of the football. You're right. You're right. <laughs> At Jay Fisher 7 asks, it was mentioned that the defensive line had simpler assignments against the Raiders. I think we talked about that last week, actually. Uh, do we expect that again, and does that help the opposing offensive line's game plan? This is a great question because literally after the pod was over, we sat around and talked about this for like 30 minutes. <laughs> we and did. We did. We went on this, at so. length. We need to start recording those and putting them out for some extra Maybe. clicks. Yeah. Um, Now, the defensive line, I I do expect that things will be a little simpler. That seemed to gel better. I don't think that anybody can really watch that game on that defensive coaching staff and think that they don't need to change to that or permanently change to that. I think that was a kind of a trial run simplification to try and make sure that the plan would actually work against an actual NFL team. It did, so I bet they do that again. As far as simplifying it for the offensive line, I do think that against another team, that would matter significantly more. But the Colts' offensive line gets greedy, and I mean that in the best way. They they know that they can single block a lot of guys out of the game, and so they kind of just try and impose their will and do their thing. It doesn't really necessarily matter as much to them 
if the Chiefs are trying to climb across the face or, you know, just simplifying and shooting gaps. It obviously does matter, but they are a lot more technically sound and able to handle everything. So I don't know that this week it's as big of a deal for them to simplify it versus not simplify it from an offensive line standpoint. Yeah, and I mostly agree with Craig here. I don't think going back to a more complex system is particularly going to help the Chiefs in this game. You want guys playing fast right now against a very good offensive line, especially when they're run blocking straight ahead or in zone. The Colts offensive line does a really good job. You don't want guys on the defensive front seven, especially guys stopping the run, trying to think too much because you already have players on the Colts line that are capable of burying any defensive line that they get their hands on, clearing them out of the gap. You want guys just playing forward, and if you get pushed out of the gap or if you lose a block, it happens. You don't want to see a guy trying to bounce back across a guy's face into a gap two gaps away and then have a linebacker read what's happening. That just sounds like a recipe for disaster in this game. So I'd rather see guys just play straight ahead, hope you get some penetration to kind of muddy up the run game a little bit. Hopefully you get that same Anthony Hitchens that played with a little bit more fire and speed from the last week, and that starts with getting the defensive line going forward, being a little bit more aggressive, playing a little less finesse, especially against a team like this that has athletic, powerful offensive guards. Anything that can get that the linebacker group playing faster, which like Anthony Hitchens looked like a different human being last week, that's something I'm interested in seeing more of, and uh, hopefully it works. Uh, if they run it. I mean, who knows? Maybe they don't go back to that. Yeah, at Chief RDG, who plays the most important role in slowing down the Colts' offense? For me, and I know I've been hard on this guy uh, recently about his effort level, but it's Justin Houston. D Ford is going to draw a ton of attention from the Colts. I think that they're going to keep Mo Cox over to his side. I think they're going to try and double him. I think they're going to chip him with Mac when Ebron is in and attached. I think they're going to chip D Ford a lot. I think that Justin Houston is going to see more one-on-one matchups with Braden Smith, with Anthony Costanzo. I think that he's the guy that's going to get the one-on-one matchups, as we've seen the past couple weeks when teams have been focused on Chris Jones and D Ford. If Justin Houston shows up, plays motivated, plays strong, plays like we know we can, or we know he can. We've seen it this year in glimpses. If he shows up and plays like that, he can wreck the Colts' game plan. And I agree with what Craig's saying here, that Justin Houston's in the best opportunity to do so, but I think the answer is Chris Jones for me. If he can, He's still going to get one-on-one opportunities. The Colts are not going to be afraid to put any of these interior guys one-on-one, especially if it's not going to, if they're going to have to sacrifice kind of their gap integrity to help against Chris Jones. So you get him, you're going to be able to get him one-on-one with Nelson. And Nelson's been phenomenal this year. He's also had some pretty bad snaps and pass protection this year. He's still a rookie. People got to remember that. Even against Ryan Kelly or the other guard, you get Chris Jones, especially if you can get him outside one-on-one with Braden Smith. I would feel phenomenal about that after seeing some of the stuff that J.J. Watt was able to do. I just think you move Chris Jones around a lot. And if you get the Chris Jones that showed up pretty much this entire year where he's beat the best offensive lineman he's been lined up against, you get that guy getting that interior pressure, force Luck to scramble because he's fantastic at escaping pressure. I think people forget how good Luck is at getting outside the pocket or moving around to evade pressure. But if you get that interior pressure, especially quick on a down, you get to put Ford and you get to put Houston, who are definitely better athletes than the Colts tackles, out to chase him, I feel a lot more confident than that. 
than I do luck getting to roll away from Houston into everybody else already being blocked by more guys. So I just think Chris Jones could really change the way this game's going for the pass defense. I'll just add that I do think Justin Houston will put forth more effort this week. I think this is a week where he kind of he lets it all hang out. Uh, and then, yeah, I think Chris I – do, I do agree. I think Chris Jones can still get some disruption from the interior this week, even though they're going up against a fantastic interior offensive line. At Keith McLean asks, if you're watching the game at home on your couch, what foods, snacks do you prepare to enjoy while watching? And also, what is your beverage of choice – uh, also, Kent, a chicken sandwich delivered from Q39 is not a viable oh option. Oh, my God. I beg to differ. No. So, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, I I don't, like, this is going to sound really lame, but, like, I don't, like, prepare spread very often when I'm watching a game. I really enjoy a good Chipotle burrito during uh, a Chiefs game or before a Chiefs game. Actually, probably most of the time I'm trying to eat my Chipotle like bowl before the game even starts. And then I just kind of want to be able to focus and, you know, have my phone in my hand and get those those hot, hot tweets out. So, Are you a burrito or a bowl guy? I'm a – okay. Oh, this is very important, actually. Oh, yes, it is. Hey, no, no, this actually, is... just give me your whole Chipotle order because I, I don't oh, – yeah. I question your culinary belief system, and this is very okay. important right here. Okay, here we go. So I get white rice. This you order a bowl. You order a bowl with a tortilla on the side. Mistake one, you, but okay. No, you're wrong. Um, you order rice. They pour the rice in, and then you say, as they are pouring, what you can tell is their last little bit of rice. You say, "Oh, actually, can I get extra rice?" Because if you ask for extra rice beforehand, they will give you normal rice. They do, they do a terrible job. So you wait for the rice to be done, and then you ask for your extra rice. So there's that. I get steak. Wow. I, get black, I get black beans. I get green tomatillo, extra green oh to- tomatillo. God. Oh, it's, the, it's perfect. Uh, lettuce, sour cream. You get that, and then you pour, you make your own bowl. You, or you make your own burrito. You wrap your own burrito. I'm good at it now. Thank you very much. And then you have like half a bowl, a well, yeah, normal bowl left. You have left. to practice wrapping your hair every day after the shower, so I surely hope you can wrap a burrito. Also, also, one other note here. If you have extra rice, they feel more inclined to pour more, more steak and more beans because the proportions look off. Just so you know, y'all are welcome. This Try it the, next time. This kid so thinks that incorrect. he's doing like Chipotle hacks right now. This for is us. so yes. incorrect. One, no, you don't need 800 calories worth of starch in your Chipotle burrito with extra rice oh. and a tortilla. My God, man. Okay, Jim, bro. <laughs> Two, you got to get... Matt's, Mike, Matt's phone sits on a protein shaker <laughs> when he records every week. Correct. So don't, lis- don't listen to Jim, bro, here. So you have He's white wrong. rice, correct? You messed up the beans. You get both kinds of beans. You definitely get the fajita veggies. You order chicken. Then once they give you chicken, say, I want double meat, and you pick your second meat. Chicken's by far the best meat there. They have the most seasoning, so you can go double chicken on that. Or if you're feeling real good, you get a little bit of the pork. Never get the chorizo. Not that good. You get extra pico, extra corn salsa, lettuce. No, you're so soft. Lettuce. You are so soft. You need to control yourself. 
get your cheese on the side because you get an entire one of those plastic containers instead of just a little tiny dusting. And then if you're taking it home, you get another container to put Chipotle Tabasco in and you load that bad boy up with Chipotle Tabasco, mix it all up, you're good to go, and you're not going to eat, like I said, you're not going to come out looking like a potato because you ate 3,000 calories worth of starch. Boo. That is <laughs> the corn. Miss, you want to put corn on your, no. no. I remember when we started this talking about how we needed to get it in and out of segments real quick, you know, make sure we get on top of it. Stay in and this out This is of Matt's segments. fault. This is obviously Matt's fault. So, Craig, which, which burrito bowl would you rather eat? I don't know. I, I tuned you guys out about halfway through both of your processes. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, Craig, more importantly, whose food taste do you usually align with more, me or Kent? Yeah, yours. Victory. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. We skipped a question, wow. actually, from... We did. Ooh, yeah, never mind. You can take that over. I'm not going to pronounce that name correctly. I think Ohieda asks... How do you guys feel the defensive line can fare against the Colts' offensive line? They have done a great job of keeping Luck upright. So we actually basically answered it with who plays the most important role in slowing down the Colts' offense. But if there's anything you would like to add, Matthew, I'm sure there's a lot you would like to add, actually. No, so. I was going to keep it short, actually. I was just going to say, I don't think that Bra- – I think Brandon Smith's been very good this year. I missed on his draft eval coming out. I did not think he'd be this good. But watching him hey, still, he has hold this, on, Matt. You, Matt. You were very high on him. Okay. I Just got wondering. you. I'll put that in there. So were many others. Thanks, bro. He was an offensive guard that struggled in pass pro. He now plays tackle in the NFL, and he's somehow been very competent to good even in pass protection. But I think a guy with D Ford's speed and flexibility off the edge is going to give him trouble. Braden doesn't have the greatest length, doesn't have the greatest feet. If he's not getting help, I actually do think that D Ford could have a good chunk of success off the side. So I, that's where I think the Chiefs can make up against the pass rush against this good pass blocking offensive line. Yeah, Quick. and yeah, that's that's basically it. And then we kind of covered it with the who plays the most important role there. I I do think the defensive line will have some success. I kind of feel like Alan Bailey may just be a guy occupying blockers this week. It's just not a game that really fits his strengths this week you know once we get on to future games here I, I i do think that he'll be able to have a little more effect on the game but he might just be a guy making sure he doesn't get moved try and occupy some extra blockers up front and you know see if he can anchor to the best of his ability all right so we're gonna enter the uh this is really not x's and o's this is more about basically the history of the chiefs <laughs> and the anxiety and all that good stuff we got three questions about that ask at lawrence hill uh lawrence hill has asked do you find it odd that both the person who most fans blame for their playoff curse lynn elliott and the one who most believe will break the curse patrick mahomes both played college football at texas tech i think it's poetic and i think it's absolutely perfect that Patrick Mahomes is the one on Saturday who is going to rid us all of this, of this, I'm not even, it's just, it's basically, I don't even want to call it a curse. We're, we're done with that. Patrick Mahomes is going to just break the streak of inadequacy. 
Kent stole my thunder. I was going to tell everybody to come at me with my mentions. There's no curse. The Chiefs just have not played well enough in the playoffs. A couple times they've had some bad luck with injuries, the ball bouncing the wrong way. But it's not a curse. The Chiefs just haven't won in a while. (laughs) And this is where it changes. (laughs) It's fantastic that there's this cool story that it started kind of in a lot of people's minds with Lynn Elliott from Texas Tech. Now you have another Red Raider coming up that is going to break that kind of bad streak. But to me, there's no curse. Maybe it's because I'm a little younger. I don't know what it is. But I just I don't feel like there's any relation from one playoff loss to the next one unless you're talking about the same core of players on each team, which we're not here. So they're just completely unrelated to me. Yeah, the the entire roster has been overhauled. And I love that when we talk about the curse and the home playoff losses and everything like that, that we just we we forget about. All these other games that the Chiefs have lost that nothing went necessarily wrong in. I mean, Matt Castle in the Ravens game. Uh, you know, the, the, no, nothing <laughs> went wrong wait, in that game. Nothing they just went got wrong with Matt Castle. Yeah. <laughs> Let's rethink that just, statement. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean that was well, a no, bad was thing pl- to happen. Yeah, there was plenty wrong with Matt Castle, but it's not like <laughs> something fluky happened in that game. They just got straight beat. Uh, that game, they got beat. Uh, there's been plenty of bad beats that the Chiefs have had. We just remember these ones that stick out because they they are crucial. Uh, they do stick out in our minds. But there is no curse, and there is no bad juju. There's no, there's nothing there. And even if there was, Matt Nagy took it with him to Chicago this past weekend. So <laughs> it's gone. It's out the building already. Well, you're going to have Chicago fans coming after you now. Yeah, I That's know. Fine. Sorry, guys. But uh, the, it, it, it's a they, double doink. Double if doink. They, it got blocked. If they listen... It did. Hey, if, it got blocked. If they listen to us, though, like, I mean, thanks. Appreciate it. That'd be cool. <laughs> At Larry McCammon, our guy, my guy, Larry McCammon asks, what is the one positive piece of advice that you would give to Chiefs fans that are suffering from the Colts' repeat anxiety playoff system? Or, I, I like this crap. <laughs> oh, man, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, it's crap. Uh, this team is zero and zero against the Indianapolis Colts. Patrick Mahomes is undefeated in the playoffs. He hasn't lost yet either, but he's undefeated. He, you have the best player in the NFL at the most important position in the NFL. Why wouldn't you be optimistic about beating the number six seed? coming out of a division that I think we can all look at and say, hey, it wasn't very good. That's a team that this Chiefs team, if they were playing in the regular season, sure, there'd be a little worry, but we'd feel pretty confident that they'd go out and beat them, especially at home. Now you're in the playoffs. Nothing's changed. Just go out and handle business. Right, and I'm just going to kind of make a real-life comparison here. Think, you know, back to your entire life, those of us that are overdriving age, that – Anytime you got into a car wreck or got a traffic ticket, do you, when you get back in your car tomorrow, are you going to be thinking about, oh man, if I drive on road X, I'm going to get into a car wreck again. Or if I drive past stop sign B, I'm going to get another parking ticket or traffic ticket. Like that's not how it works. Just because something happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen again. That happening before has no bearing on what's about to happen for this playoff game. We could have lost to the Colts the last 99 times. Nobody on this team, well, maybe I think there's two, three, four players left on this team that were here the last time they lost to the Colts in the playoffs. That doesn't matter. 
yeah, they're going to be bombarded with questions about it from reporters all week and after the game when they win, up until the game, whatever it's going to be. But it doesn't matter to the players. That does not affect their performance in any way, shape, or form. That affects the way fans perceive what's happening just because they've been there before, they've seen it before, and I get it, but the team on the field doesn't care about that last loss, and they're not going to. It really isn't going to matter to them whatsoever. So you just have to put your faith in this team, and as Craig just said, it's led by Patrick Mahomes. It's led by Andy Reid. You can't get too very much better leadership right now for this game than those two guys Believe in that. If you don't even want to believe in the name or the history of the Chiefs, believe in Mahomes, believe in Reed, believe in those guys to get one game to win right now when they are the more talented team. You have to trust somebody if you ever expect this to happen. You trust yourself the next time you go to drive not into a good wreck. Let Patrick Mahomes go out there and play football. Let Andy Reid go out there and coach football. Expect them to do their jobs rather than worrying about what happened the last time somebody didn't do their job correctly. And go in there and not allow the building to turn. Because guess what? Patrick Mahomes has come back and beat the Broncos this year. He's come back and beat the Ravens this year. He's capable of doing anything. If things go wrong early, expect something to change. Just just don't contribute to the anxious energy that is very easily able to fill that stadium. I was there for the Titans. I saw it happen. Just deny it. Let Just expect good things to happen because Patrick Mahomes is going to break this streak of futility and it might as well be Saturday. One more question. It's just more of a, a statement, but I liked it. And you guys kind of alluded to it earlier. At K Dykstra asks, or says, I'd like to point out the hystericals out there about this being a 2013 repeat. Only three offensive starters and three defensive starters remain from that team. And uh, this ain't 213. Hashtag break the cycle. Break the cycle. I feel like I just responded to this statement a second ago. So I have nothing to say, Kent, just for you. Oh, wow. It's wow, a late, late Christmas gift. No, that's that's exactly it. And even those guys, this is a completely different team. They they know it's a completely different team. How many how many times do you think that Patrick Mahomes is going to score in the second half against the Colts this week? How many times do you think that he's going to come out and score? That's been the Chiefs' problems for these epic playoff collapses. They did not score. In the second half, they weren't able to move the ball, help their defense out, and the game fell apart. You have Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the field. Patrick Mahomes can score at will, and he has this year. That's going to happen. These guys know it. Justin Houston knows it. Alan Bailey knows it. Travis Kelsey, Eric Fisher, Anthony Sherman, they all know this. They know that he's going to go out there. He's going to help them out. He's going to do everything in his power to claw and fight and win that game. They're not going to give up. You guys don't either. Love it. I mean, there's not much I can add. This, it, But just go in expecting good things to happen. Let Patrick Mahomes be in an environment that believes. And good things are going to happen. The streak is going to be broken. And look out in two weeks. That's all I got to say. If everything, if, if, if the streak gets broken on Saturday, look out. I don't care who it is, the Chargers or the Patriots, look out. Because that place will be rocking. That's all we got. We will be talking about either the Chargers or the Patriots next week after the Chiefs win this game. 
talk to you later. You got the starch-filled bowl with Kent. You got the protein delicious bowl with me. Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. <laughs> We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.